actually go out and grab some food for for dinner and Indian food was on my list of places that I go but don't go often enough in the neighborhood but as it turns out I ended up going out for lunch today so I figured I should eat at home so I made a sandwich that was fine Uh, it did the job it's a very uh it sort of uh, uh the food served its purpose the food served its purpose I suppose so the the voices you heard there were of uh, of Rob Maines. Hello, Rob. Hey guys. Hey, hey, and this is Rob's first appearance on an NL Central podcast. Returning this week is Alex Crisopoli. Hello, Alex. Hi, everybody. Hey, and I'm Brandon Lee, and this is the second episode of an NL Central show that hopefully, fingers crossed, will make it to the point of public consumption. We are here coming to you the evening of Monday, May 2nd. Uh, some games are going on right now, but, you know, we'll, we'll kind of talk over them. And then, you know, I, I, don't think, I don't think what we're going to cover will go too deeply into the games at hand unless something incredible happens. And who knows? Who knows? Anything can happen on a given night, right? So I, uh, I want to start off by throwing it to Rob. Because Rob, you are you're you're a Pirates fan, right? I am. Yeah, awesome. So yeah. So the the Cubs are playing the Pirates for the first time this year, and the the Cardinals had a shot at the Pirates. Uh, was it a couple weeks ago, Alex? It was opening. Uh, it was opening day. The first game. Of the it season. was the, the yeah. opening series. Opening series. Okay. Okay. Cool. So. Uh, we we've kind of gone we've kind of gone over the the Cubs Cardinals and Reds a little bit on the podcast, but Rob, what what are your thoughts about the Pirates from the month of April? Well, you know the the thing about being a fan of a team is there's always kind of a focus on the negative. I think. I mean, if your if your team goes five and two in a week, and the two games they lose. One of them, they leave like 12 guys on base, and the other one, they lose in the late innings. You don't talk about the five wins. You talk about an inability to hit in the clutch and a bad bullpen. So, you know, the, the Pirates have a 15-10 and 10 record. They're in second place. If the season were to end, they would be in the playoffs in the, the holding down what I think Joe Sheehan calls the, the Clint Hurdle Invitational Wild Card um, <laughs> slot. And yet... You know, if you look at the at the record, there's there's things that I think are a little worrisome. Now, what what they started the season not hitting very well, and then you know they had the swing through Arizona and Colorado, which always do wonders for once hitting, and they kept hitting for the most part when they faced Cincinnati. So they actually started play today in first place in the league in both batting and on base percentage um, in the top I think five in slugging and so the offense has been pretty good to the point that their worst hitter to date of the starting eight has been Andrew McCutcheon and granted he hasn't started pretty, that pretty well. sure pretty sure he'll uh pretty sure he'll reach you know his his normal 
his normal production at some point. Oh, yeah, because he, he started last year even worse. So I don't think anybody's worried. And actually, I was watching the start of tonight's game against the Cubs, and the announcers were saying, you know, McCutcheon, he's had some bad luck. You know, everything he hits hard seems to be right at somebody. And he immediately hit a home run. And they said, well, you know, they didn't have bad luck on that one. Um, so the the hitting, which, you know, people worry about that they're leaving get men on base, but that's largely because they got a lot of guys on base. There's been plenty of hitting. The pitching has been more of the concern. Part of that is the rotation, which I don't think anybody really expected to be as good this year as last year, given that 60% of it um, is no longer there. Uh, Charlie Morton, who wasn't all that great last year, got traded. Uh, A.J. Burnett retired. And Jay Happ used his, you know, three months becoming a star in Pittsburgh uh, and turned that into a pretty nice contract with Toronto. And the starting pitching hasn't been that great, not as good as last year. But again, I think people expected that. And what I think is more important, sort of, not even longer term for the Pirates, but even as we look forward into the season, is two guys on the farm have done really well. Um, Tyler Glasnow was just named International League Player of the Week. And Jamison Tyon, who actually has missed the last two full seasons, he had a hernia last year and Tommy John the year before, has also started really well in Indianapolis. And that's AAA. So they might be joining the club, providing some support for the rotation. But the rotation hasn't been that good. What I found particularly worrisome is that last year in April, Pirate starters led the league in chase percentage. They got swings on 33% of pitches outside the strike zone. This year, they're in 13th in the league, and so they're not fooling people, and they need to do that to be successful. However, the Pirates have always been able to succeed with not necessarily great starting because the bullpen's been great, and there's really no reason for things to change this year, and it's been bad. Um, Their ERA is 4.36. They're one of the only teams that has a higher bullpen ERA than starter ERA. That was through April. Um, They're fifth worse. And um, they've gone from having the third lowest walk percentage in the league to the 15, fourth highest. Um, they have the second lowest zone percentage. So they're not throwing strikes. And when that happens, just invariably, you don't get guys chasing a lot. And, you know, you sort of look at things and you can say, well, you know, they've had a little bit of bad luck on fly balls getting hit over the fence and you know the they're still getting a fair amount of strikeouts though not as many as last year but bottom line is this is a team that last year had one relief pitcher out of their whole at all i think their eight most frequently used who had an era over three and a half and so far this year they only got one with an era below three and a half and if they don't have a reliable bullpen given that it's not a rotation that's going to give them seven innings every night, I think that's right, be a concern. Right. And, you know, when you're playing Arizona, Colorado, and, sorry, Eric, Cincinnati, you don't have to worry <laughs> that much if you have a five-run lead going into the seventh, but that's got to come together for them to be successful. Yeah, so you actually sent us a stat over email earlier today, and what was it? Was the, Pirate, the Pirates have a what record against teams above 500? Yeah, they, their record um, so far this year, teams with record above 500, is one and three, and that's now, four now games for the they've record, had against Detroit. Right, and for and for the record, the Cubs are zero and zero right, right. now. Uh, none of the teams the Cubs have played are over 500, um, 
And I mean, of course, but that's some of that is because that's, the Cubs, because the Cubs have been beating them. Sure, yeah. sure, right. Because, and I think one of the one of the things we talked about on the last episode was that the the Reds had a winning record uh, against teams that weren't the Cubs, uh, but then the Cubs kind of threw that threw that off. What one question I do have for you, Rob, uh, on on the on the episode of Effectively Wild this morning, they talked about the 30-day off-season transaction mulligan. And one of the moves that the Pirates made this off-season was trading Neil Walker to the Mets for John Neese. Uh, how, 30 days into the season, how do you feel about that trade? And would you redo it? Well, okay. It was an economic trade. It's because Walker was entering entering his last year of arbitration was going to be a free agent next year, and the Pirates didn't think that they could afford him. Um, nice has not been great. He hasn't been their worst starter, but he hasn't, um, you know, he hasn't been great. But I think that's a deal that was dictated more by economics than anything else. So if they were, you know, if you, they took it back. I don't know that they would at this point be a better team because Walker would still be the second baseman. I don't know. Probably Vogelsong would be the fifth starter, which would be, that wouldn't be any great shakes. Um, and they would be using Harrison, who's become the second baseman in Walker's absence, presumably at third. Um, but Freese has been hitting really well for them and they should have Gung back fairly soon. So it. You know, it hasn't looked great on paper, largely because Nice hasn't been that good. But I would view the trade almost as much as ridding themselves of Walker's contract for this year and whatever he was going to sign to that they weren't going to be able for next year than anything else. So it seemed like sort of an inevitable departure. Rob, can I ask you a question? Sure. You mentioned the rotation earlier. Kind of the main um, thing you hear about Pittsburgh and, and why they've been so successful the last few years is kind of like the secret sauce they have with pitching. Um, since you follow the Pirates a lot more than I do, and probably most people do, is is that a do you believe that's a legit thing, or is that just kind of a narrative that latched onto the team that kind of kind of persists? Well, it's worked. Be it, it, I think it's true, but only because, at least until this last offseason, they've been acquiring the types of pitchers who work under their system. Their system, you know, really simply stated, you throw balls, pitches down in the zone, you get a lot of strike, uh, a lot of ground balls, and you shift a lot. So those ground balls get caught more often. Yeah. Um, and the star example of that was Francisco Liriano, who... After the Pirates got him for $1 million was his one-year contract, they, he stopped throwing his four-seam fastball, which was one of his main pitches prior to joining Pittsburgh. He threw a bunch of two-seamers, which are sinkers, and got a lot of ground balls. has been really successful for them. They started the year with a real low ground ball percentage, which had people alarmed. A lot of that is because they got Nicasio over the uh, Juan Nicasio over the offseason, who is not a ground ball pitcher. Um, but the starters, they've kind of righted the ship in that the starters' ground ball percentage is number one in the league yet again so far this year. The relievers haven't been living on ground balls either this year or in the past as much. So to the degree that they can get pitchers who are amenable to that, yeah, I think it is 
it is a really successful thing that they've done. Um, the thing about who they acquired this year is, you know, Nice was already a ground ball pitcher. Nicasio is not. Um, and um, consequently, their ground ball percentage isn't as high as it was in the past, but that's still sort of the Pirates' MO, at least among the starters. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's pretty interesting to me because that's kind of what that was kind of the Cardinals formula for a long time with Larusa and Duncan, Dave Duncan, especially when um, kind of in, in the midst of the steroid era, when it was like, well, if we don't have just dominant pitchers, you know, the Cardinals didn't have any, you know, they didn't have a Pedro Martinez or a Roger Clemens. Let's at least get guys who can, who can get the ball low and hopefully, you know, induce ground outs, induce balls right. hit on the ground at least. So that's interesting. Yeah, and and you know, and what they've done w- w- when they've got the right guy, and again, Liriano's sort of the standout. AJ Burnett was another good example. Is yeah. they get guys yeah. who generate more ground balls than they had in the past. They kind of like remake them in that image. Um, you need a guy who is primarily a ground ball pitcher. Yeah, you know, what they've been doing is taking guys who throw. You know, forty percent ground balls get them over fifty percent. If you've got guys like again, like Juan Nicasio being a good example, who aren't really ground ball pitchers to start out with, you can do a little bit of changing them, but you're not going to do a lot. Yeah, right. Who who are you looking for to kind of to to bounce back out of the Pirates bullpen, or is this going to be a call someone up from the minors or go out and make a make a move well the two big you know they're they're two big studs in the minors are both really clearly starters and i would be given the the you know bright line that's been drawn in modern baseball between starters and relievers that your starters go you know six or seven your relievers go only one it seems like if you bring up a glasno or a tie-on and you have them just pitch one inning you kind of wreck them as starters so i don't think mm-hmm. i don't think there's anybody down on the farm um Trade is always possible because there's a lot of talent in the Pirates minor league. And, you know, you get past the top guys who they probably don't want to move. There's still plenty that they could use. I would, before they push that panic button, though, you know, using the rule of thumb that you wait until Memorial Day to really assess. Sure, sure, of course. You know, Watson has been bad so far this year, um, which is pretty significantly out of character. Jared Hughes, who was one of the key guys last year, just came back from an injury, um, pitched his first game yesterday. Um, Mark Melanson, who's their closer, who I believe is a free agent next year, might get traded anyway at some point, if depending how things go. Um, and you know, Neftali Feliz started strong, and then he kind of gave up some of it. But he's a pretty intriguing guy and has been pointed to as one of the big Searage reclamation projects. So I think those are the guys who have somewhat underperformed. Watson, well, Watson and um, Feliz is underperformers. And then just getting Hughes back, I think that's what the Pirates will look for, to kind of right the ship there before they go outside the organization to look you for know- you know the interesting thing, the interesting thing about Watson. Uh, I have I haven't watched him pitch or anything this year, but I pulled up the the Baseball Reference page with the Pirates roster, and I'm looking I'm looking uh, right down the ERA column, and I see 3.55, and I'm like, oh, that's not so bad. And then I and then I scroll over, and I see a 5.83 FIP, and I see yeah. and I and I see a 
not even two strikeouts for walk. And uh, yeah, that's that that 355 ERA is going to shoot up real quick if if he keeps that up. Yeah, he's he's also one of the. I mean, almost all the Pirates relievers have had problems with home run balls. Now playing a bunch of games in Denver, Arizona, and Cincinnati don't help that, and presumably back to Pittsburgh more will. But that's been an unexpected development as well. Alex, I want to throw I want to throw it over to you because Aledmus Diaz is still on fire, and you wrote about Aledmus well, Diaz uh, a couple weeks ago. But tell tell me tell me about Aledmus Diaz. What do what well, I, I wrote about him last week, and actually he he's in a bit of a slump right now, to be honest. Oh dear. Oh yeah, dear. yeah. He is. He's one for his last twelve. Okay, um, but but what's his what's his slash line right now? I'm about to tell you his slash line. Uh, he's batting 405. Uh, on base 436 and slugging 703. So that's after absorbing a one for 12. That's after going one for 12. I think um, last week at this time the OBP may have been above 500, and the slugging was maybe above 800. It was it was just ridiculous. Um, so yeah, he's coming back down to earth a little bit. Um, but I'll tell you what I really like about him, and of course you know it's very very early, but his strikeout rate, he's only striking out 6.4% of the time. Um, you know, this, wow, this very early in the, in the, in the year. Um, so who knows if that means anything, but it's not a case of, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, I almost said Trevor story, but I don't even know his exact stats and would even back this up, but it's not a case of a guy just getting off to a hot start. Um, but also has, you know, a hole in his swing that, you know, pitchers will eventually exploit. Um, we're not seeing that right now with Diaz. I mean, you know, we might see it in, um, down the road, but right now he looks like he really belongs in the batter's box. And so, you know, I'm, I'm expecting these one for 13 slumps or, or whatever after such a crazy torrid start. But overall I've, I've found, um, n- nothing but positive, um, positives from him um, hitting and I hope it's um, you know this is not a mirage and not something a couple years from now um, I'll be talking with other Cardinals fans and being like hey remember that time when Aledmus Diaz you know batted almost 500 in the month of April you know hopefully this is this is a good indicator of the type of player he can be the uh, the 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 rap on him I don't want to say from everyone, but people aren't quite sure on his defense. Um, obviously, it's very early on that, um, and we're still waiting to see. He's made some just kind of silly errors just on what should have been routine plays, but overall, it hasn't been that bad, so we're still seeing how that plays out. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens once Peralta returns. So so Diaz signed an $8 million contract out of Cuba. Yes. And... And he is really good story, by the way. If you ever want to read um, how he defected from Cuba and everything. Oh, awesome. Okay, uh, I'll I'll find that link and put it up yeah, in the uh, in in the post. So eight eight million dollar contract, and per uh, per Baseball Reference, he's already worth one point seven WAR this season, which means <laughs> okay. he has he has already exceeded the the value of his contract. Okay, that's good to know. That's very good to know. <laughs> The, uh, I'd hate to know where we'd be without him right now, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> we could be looking at, uh, you know, because Ruben Tejada was, was hurt. 
And it actually took Tommy Pham then getting hurt for um, for Diaz to even be called up from Memphis. Rob, I don't know if you remember, but that first game yeah. in Pittsburgh, um, Diaz was not there. Right. So we could have been looking at, you know, things are kind of bad right now, um, at least from the Cardinals standpoint. But who knows how bad it could have been if Jed Jerko was our regular shortstop for the first, you know, <laughs> 20, 22 games. And, you know, who knows, maybe they would have kept Greg Garcia up with the club and um, to be more of the, the regular shortstop. But, yeah, it could have been – I just hate to think – I don't know. It, things could look a lot worse right now than they do. And they don't look that great, so. Well, well, tell, tell me a little about that because – or tell us a little about that because you wrote about that this weekend, how this was the April to forget. And I know I'm I'm poking at – probably an open wound here but tell us a little bit about that and how yeah you know how 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 are you feeling as we as the calendar turns into may oh it's it's certainly not an open wound i mean it wasn't it was you know hardly a disaster it's just uh and it's one month of baseball exactly and and that's why that's why season and yeah yeah and that's why it's hardly a disaster but my point was in looking at a couple things um one if the if the 2015 Cardinals were in this division right now, um, after 25 games, this version of the Cardinals would already be seven games behind them. They have given up. They have given up 41 more runs than the 2015 Cardinals had at this point. Um, now the flip side of that is they've scored 34 more runs. They have kind of this um, feast or famine offense. Um, that's that's a bit sporadic, but when it's on, they you know they've banged out double digit uh, run totals in a couple games so far this year, which didn't happen all that often last year. Um, but they're one and eight. They have played you know they opened this season against Pittsburgh, got swept. A couple weeks ago, the Cubs came to town and they dropped two of three. And last um, over the weekend, they got swept by the Nationals. And so in those nine games, they're one and eight. And in six of those games, they've scored one run or less. So they're really beating up on kind of the bad teams to keep kind of their record afloat, which is what you want to do. You That's know, what you, you got to do. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. You know, I, I hate when people say like, oh, well, yeah, they're, they have this such and such record, but look who they played. Well, well what are they supposed to do against those teams? Um, they, you know, they're supposed to win those games. So they're playing like they should against the bad teams. But they are not playing well. Um, again, it's it's nine stupid games, but they are not playing well against the good teams, which has kind of been their mo. I think under Matheny, I want to say the Cardinals' record under Matheny coming into this year, they had something like a 540 winning percentage against teams with a winning record, and that was uh, first in all of baseball the last four years. Um, so they've really, you know, so they they've really done well the last couple of years, just being incredibly consistent. They, you know, they wouldn't rip off like 13 or 14 wins or something like that, but every month they would have a record of like, uh, you know, 18 and 11 or 17 and, you know, 12, you know what I mean? Just slowly methodical, methodically building up that win total and kind of waiting for the other teams to hit a, hit a slump. And then, they would just slowly creep away from them and eventually win the division. Um, as of right now, that's not really happening. And the other part of my post was talking about how good the Cubs have been. Um, 
which is also a bit of an anomaly compared to the past, the last couple of years. Although I guess that's not fair to say because both the Cubs and Pittsburgh were both really good last year. But just in terms of not only are the Cardinals off to a slow start, but they have a team in the division that's off to a crazy, crazy fast start. I mean, the mm-hmm. Cubs had a plus 79 run differential in the month of April in just 22 games, which is just simply insane. You know, so it's, I think what's frustrating so far about being a Cardinals fan is that we know as well as anyone that you want to bank wins whenever you can, you know, wins in April count as much as a win, you know, wins in September. And sometimes you need those wins to, to, um, to rely on, to, to hang on, to hold off teams like Pittsburgh or the Cubs who came on strong last year. And if the Cardinals have any intention of winning the division this year, this is the exact opposite of the type of start they wanted when there's a team like Chicago, not to mention Pittsburgh, already in the division. If that makes sense. Yeah, Alex, you know, they've played the Cubs, they've played the Nats, they've played the Pirates. So you've got, that's three of the top four teams in the National League. They haven't had an easy ride so far. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Um, and, and so, at least... Let's talk again in a month, and this could all sound very foolish. Yeah, but, what, what's, but one and eight is one and eight. Right, it, it was a right. good start. Yeah, right. The the thing that surprised me about the Cardinals is sort of the way, as you alluded to, sort of the way they've gotten here. The top two teams in the National League in OPS plus are the Pirates and the Cardinals. But right. you know, like I said, the the Pirates have done a really good job of getting guys on base. And I just I just looked this up. Isolated slugging in the National League, number one is the Rockies, number two is the Cardinals, number three is the Diamondbacks. You know, one of these things is not like the other. Is that <laughs> is that level, do you think, sustainable for them? Because that's 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 pretty good company. I, I have no idea. It would surprise me if it is. Um, I think heading into the Washington series, it's not true anymore, but I think heading into the Washington series, they were tied with the Rockies um, for home runs. Um, which is not just insane um, when you think about who the Rockies are, but when you also think about who the Cardinals are. I mean, this team the last two years has been near the bottom of the NL in home runs. Um, I, in right. fact, they were, they were dead last in 2014, and I think um, 11th last year. So this is not a team, you know, they're basically, I, I think one of the things that's kind of disconcerting so far, um, disconcerting so far is that their identity is not at all who we thought they were going to be. You know, we were expecting right. kind of um, a similar team to last year, grinding out 3-2 wins or 2-1 wins, and that hasn't been the case at all. You know, they're, they're losing games 7-1 or they're winning games 12-5, to um, but it's not that... It, it's not that formula that really worked for them last year, which is a formula I feel more comfortable with, um, which is um, a steady pitching staff, a steady pitching, you know, a steady, a steady rotation. That would make me feel more comfortable, even, you know, even coupled with, well, kind of a bit more of an anemic offense than the opposite. Certainly. And, and speaking of that rotation, I'll pose the same question to you, Alex, as I did to Rob, the big, acquisition for the Cardinals this offseason Mike Leake in the rotation currently currently sporting a 583 earned run average the FIP the FIP is a little lower 467 yeah but how are you feeling about that 
deal after 30 days, and if you had a 30-day money-back guarantee, would you take Mike Leak back? Probably not, just because it's still early. Um, he has certainly been worse than advertised, but at the same time, he's a guy who um, you hope induces a lot of contact on the ground. Um, which he has done, but unfortunately he's ha- he has a defense behind him who hasn't, which hasn't been all that spectacular. Um, now a lot of it's been leaked too as well. It seems like once they once he faces a lineup for the third time, he hasn't he hasn't fared all that all that well. Um, would I so would I take it back? I don't I don't know. I, I could see myself two years from now being like, how could you say you would stick with that contract? This has been <laughs> awful, you know. Um, it's certainly been been quite discouraging, um, you know, five years, 80 million, um, which it's crazy to think isn't much these days. Um, I mean, it's still it's still a, a very, very good contract, but it's by no means absurd um, today in baseball. Um, so I don't know. I, obviously, a lot of Cardinals are pretty anxious about his his several starts so far. Um, not to mention Adam Wainwright, who I'm actually watching pitch right now. And so far he's, he's doing pretty well. Um, although it's only the second inning. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, the, the pitching staff, the starting pitching has a lot of people pretty anxious. Um, I still think there's a lot of potential there. Um, and I'm hoping that April has just been a bit of an anomaly and that as the season goes on, that having five, what are, what I think are pretty, are five quality arms is going to pay dividends. It'll, it'll help. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what's going to get you through a season. That's what gets yeah, you through 162, yeah. right? Right. So we'll see. I, I, I'm trying to be, you know, I it, like what Rob said earlier. It's, um, it's very easy to be, um, just think about all the bad things and, um, it's funny. I do that when I, I, if you talked to me last year at this time when the Cardinals were 19 and six after 25 games, I would have told you, um, how bad their offense is. Um, but right. now that they're, now that they're 12 and 13, I'm trying to focus on the positives and why I think, you know, they can still hang around and be a pest to the Cubs and the pirates. Um, and so I, I think there's still a lot of potential there in the pitching staff. Bullpen has been okay. Um, bullpen's actually been pretty solid, I would say. It's been mostly the starting pitching that needs to improve. Who worries you more, Wainwright or Leak? Well, I, you know, just looking at 2016, um, Wainwright does. Yeah. Um, only because he is, you know, I was just kind of assuming, okay, we went basically – five months without him last year and look how good they were. So I just kind of assumed, well, you know, we had a rough off season. We missed out on price. We lost Jason Hayward. Um, we lost John Lackey. Those are big hits, but look at what we have coming back. We have basically right. a, you know, our ACE pitcher who, who missed pretty much the entire season last year. Um, and so when you look at it from that angle and then think, well, shoot, he's not even bad, you know, he's not even going to be a solid pitcher or even a good pitcher. That is tough to come to grips with. Um, yeah. if, if we're talking beyond this year, I'm way more worried about leak. I mean, you know, Wainwright could, could be awful this year, be awful next year. And I'm still 
you know, I, I don't think anyone's going to be like, gosh, I can't believe we're still paying him that money. Like that contract we signed a couple of years ago, what, you know, that's been horrible. Um, not at all. I mean, Wainwright um, is playing with house money with most Cardinals fans right now. Whereas Leak, um, you know, five years is a long time. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so if we're talking about just this year, certain, probably Wainwright. Um, down the road, um, probably Leak. I'm looking at his, I'm looking at Leak's upcoming salaries. And it's kind of interesting because he's got this, uh, he's he's got escalating salaries till 2018 and then declining salaries in the two years after that and then there's a the five million dollar buyout for 2021 which right now in 2016 feels that's far right. away uh, but that's that's 12 million 15 million 17 million and then it goes 16 15 before the mm-hmm. buyout at, yeah which is an 18 million dollar option and five million dollar buyout yeah. So that's that's a decent amount of cash, Brandon. Yeah, that's cash. That's cash. Yeah, good I'm, good I'm for worried. good for Mike Leake. He's uh, he's making some money. He, <laughs> yeah. he was able he was able to make a career out of baseball. Good for him. <laughs> good good for him. Good for him and bad for Alex. Uh, well, wanna... <laughs> look, it's early. It's early. I'm hanging on. It's early. <laughs> All right. All right. I want I want to throw it over. I want to throw it back over to Rob because, and and this will tie into a little bit of Cubs talk, Rob is writing on the regular over at baseball prospectus which is fantastic i love i love rob's work you should absolutely check him out he wrote a piece this week that that went up today actually today monday about quality starts uh rob can you tell us a little bit about about your post what did you find out about quality starts well you know there's a lot of talk about quality starts as arietta was approaching the record and i use that word in quotes because the data only goes back to 1913 at which right. time and nobody knew what a quality start was right and the uh the baseball the bp wrigleyville writer there was a bp wrigleyville writer who called it i believe he called it a a record thought to be unbreakable uh which which falls in line with uh, with another effectively wild topic from a couple of weeks ago, but this actually was was not one of the ones listed on the Wikipedia page for records thought right. to be breakable. Yeah, well, he was he was within two of catching the record of Bob Gibson that was set mostly in the year of the pitcher '68, but a little bit before then, um, a little bit in uh, towards the end of '67 as well. So what I looked at is you know because I think out of all the I mean, quality starts is not an advanced stats, but of all the, the the numbers that get, you know, like you'll hear at a typical broadcast, maybe, I don't think anything gets maligned as much as quality starts do for the reason that, you know, the, the, the line that you draw for a quality start, six innings pitched, three or fewer earned runs, if you meet the bare minimum, you got a four and a half ERA, and that probably doesn't win your team the game. In fact, I think last year I looked in pitchers that, did allow pitch exactly six innings, allowed exactly three end runs. Their teams were, in fact, a little bit below 500. So I said, well, quality start, it's a stupid stat. We shouldn't fall, pay attention to it. So what I looked at is through a number of years, the number, the numbers for pitchers who were credited with quality starts. And in fact, they did really well 
in aggregate. You know, their ERAs were about half of what the league average was in quality starts. So, yeah, a guy who goes six innings, allows three runs, didn't really pitch a great game. But that accounts for, in current baseball, less than 10% of quality starts. And the majority of them are, um, you know, are well-pitched games. And the kind of kicker, I say till the end of the article to write it, is that last year, if you look at all pitchers who are credited with quality starts versus all pitchers who are credited with wins, the guys who pitch quality starts pitch more innings with a lower ERA and a lower FIP than the guys who were credited with wins. So I'm not, a, I think that it's legitimate to criticize the whole idea of game specific stats in baseball because, you know, we play 162 game season. A guy can go five for five and his team can lose. So how well someone pitches in one game really doesn't tell a whole lot of the story in this in this sport. But if we're going to look at a game-specific number, I think quality starts aren't bad and certainly are comparable to wins, which a lot of the people who criticize quality starts still cling to. So the I, I, that's that's pretty... That that's that's pretty that's pretty thorough there, Rob. Thank you. And I think when I think as I kind of when I first heard about the the quality start statistic, the first the first thing that came to my mind was that baseline of six innings, three runs, and thinking, you know, that's not that great. But but hearing like the extent to which it's that that's pretty much a non-factor in the the whole universe of quality starts like it 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 helps that stat right yeah yeah i i mean what happens quality starts this shouldn't be a surprise it's pretty strongly negative correlated to run scoring so in eras when there's a lot of runs being scored there's not as many quality starts as eras like now when there aren't as many runs being scored but um in current baseball, somewhere between eight and nine percent, and by current baseball I mean the last three years, about eight and a half or so of all quality starts are ones where the guy pitches six innings, allows three earned runs, which means that you know ninety one and a half percent of quality starts are better than that. Better, yeah. So one of the actually, and and this is one of the things that that I had thought of, the the five inning one run start. And the degree to which that is "quote unquote" quality, right? And actually, it's it's interesting because the the first comment on the post is about that exact thing, um, yeah. or at least the the commenter touched on it about how about a a sliding scale of quality starts. Now, it would be. It would, are, are you talking about the comment from Gigi Dowd? Yes. Yeah. From Gigi Dowd. Yes. Uh, <laughs> shout out Gigi Dowd, uh, commenter on baseballperspectives.com, uh, who says, uh, "I think quality start. I think the quality start would be much improved by shifting the baseline on start length. Uh, one run or fewer in five innings, two or fewer in six, three or fewer in seven. Um, that that would have preserved Arietta's." Uh, Arietta's quality start streak uh, as as he went only five innings in his last start, but how how would a sliding scale change the the universe of of uh, of quality starts? 
Well, you know, I, when when he when Gigi Dog posted that, I was initially skeptical. Just because I said, "Well, this adds complexity," which is why I think it won't get done because right. you know of people want an easy stat. But also, I said, you know, you don't want to get too restrictive. But I looked at the numbers, and it really isn't. There were a little over twenty four hundred quality starts last year, using that scale that he suggested. And I did this all in the Starbucks, but I think I did my, <laughs> uh -huh. my play indexing all right. You would have knocked out 51 of those quality starts using that scale. And, you know, you add the ones of five to five and two-thirds innings, one or fewer earned runs. Um, and, it you know, it kind of would even, it wouldn't reduce the number of quality starts meaningfully, but I think it would result in a better statistic. Now, I didn't download all the data in order to figure out what the numbers would be but i you know based on what he was suggesting they certainly would have been i'm not even gonna say as good as they got to be better than what the numbers that were posted by pitchers doing pitching quality starts last year anyway and those were good numbers so i thought that was a that was a, a clever idea that i think would work well but you know getting it get it you know we're, we're still trying to 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 kill the wind here so right the the wind is still alive the last yeah. last i checked the wind is still alive uh but i i alex do you have do you have any questions for rob well all i was gonna say is um it sort of reminded me of a comment and i'm not sure how on point this is but it reminded me of a comment adam wainwright made i remember adam wainwright made a couple of years ago when he said his goal going into each season was to lead the league in innings pitched um because if he if he if, if he was doing that he felt that meant he was probably pitching well if he was pitching a lot of innings that means he's pitching well if he's um not pitching well then he's not lasting as long and is that a very elementary way of kind of being in line with with the quality start does that make sense yeah, I would say so because quality pitchers who pitch quality starts pitch more innings than pitchers who just get wins. Right, right. So, exactly. Yeah, his, yeah. his comment his comment wasn't like, oh, I want to lead the league in wins or I want to, you know, strike out, you know, lead the league in strikeouts. It was I want to pitch the most. I it's my goal to pitch the most innings. Um, and I, I I took that as a very interesting comment. In that, well, huh? If you pitch most innings, that means you're pitching well. Because why would you keep? Why would you keep throwing a guy out there who's not pitching well? Yeah, and I'm just kind of those things. If you pitch a lot of innings, everything else is kind of taking care of itself, I guess. Yeah, I'm just looking. Last year, the top five for innings pitched were Kershaw, Keuchel, Arrieta, Scherzer, and Greinke. You could argue that those are all pretty good guys. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> those pitchers are all pretty yeah. good. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right, let's... Well, real real quick, yeah. so you don't want me to mark Gigi Dowd's comment as inappropriate, do you? You're no. Not. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> No. I thought, I thought it was pretty sharp. I like yeah. it. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I thought it was fine, too. I just, I'll do it if you want me to. <laughs> um, looking, looking at the week ahead, the Cubs have have a bit of a challenging week they're they're winning right now against the pirates but they've got the pirates yeah they've got the pirate they've got the pirates for three in pittsburgh and then they come back home for a four game set against the nationals uh who do the who do the cardinals got this week Alex? the cardinals have the phillies um and then hold up real quick can you guys hear this there's like a rainstorm 
like crazy in DC right now. I don't know if I can I can hear I can hear I can hear rain against. Isn't the... that something? Yeah. Oh, it's hail. Oh, it's hail. I've, I've, oh, been wow. it's, I've been told it's hail. Um, so we have the the Phillies, and, and, and then I the Pirates really come sick. to town. Yes, yes. Thank you, yeah. Rob. And the Pirates come to town. So it should. Um, we have the Phillies for four games, and then the Pirates for three games. So hopefully, we can get back on track here. Nice. And then the Reds. The Reds have the Pirates right now, and the Brewers have the Angels. Uh, the Reds don't have the. I think you're looking at yeah. next. Cubs part. have the Pirates. Oh, Cubs. Yeah. Sorry, Cubs have the Pirates. Yeah. I meant. I meant. Uh, sorry. I. I meant. I meant the Giants. The Reds have the Giants yeah. right now, not the Pirates. The Reds. The Reds are facing the Giants, and the Brewers are facing the Angels, and then over the weekend, the Brewers and Reds will face each other. Um, any any final thoughts on on the week ahead? Anything that you are looking forward to in particular? I'll say that I am really looking. I mean, the series is going on right now, but uh, I've been I've been kind of waiting for this this pirate series for a little while. Last week was a little. Uh, the the Cubs were facing two of the two of the worst teams in the National League, the Brewers and the Braves. They ended up three and one in a shortened week because we had two rainouts in Chicago. So I was I've I've kind of been waiting for this week because I I don't I don't like looking at early May games as a test for a team. But you know these are these are a couple of quality opponents coming up, and it's and the Cubs shuffled their rotation a little bit to get the most out of uh, this Pirate series. So I'm this. This is what I'm looking forward to, this set of seven games here. And also, Ryan Sullivan is going to come in town, uh, the Baron of All Baseball podcast, for the National Series, and I'm going to try and uh, cool. meet up with him while he's here. Oh, excellent. Yeah. I, uh, ooh, Wainwright just gave up two runs. Phillies are up 2 nothing in the third on the Cardinals. This is not good. I, uh, I'm actually looking forward to the, uh, the book signing for the only rule um, which is happening in DC next week. And I'm hey, hey. And I, I don't know. I might, I might see Ryan Sullivan there as well. I heard him talking about perhaps going, um, but you know, it, it just dawned on me while you guys were talking earlier, you guys are fans of the teams who play in my two favorite ballparks in baseball. Huh? Yeah. That's they're, ni- they're both, they're both nice stadiums. They are they're great stadiums. They're both kind of the, uh, you know, they're very different from one another. You have, Rig, you know, I don't even, when someone asks me, like, my favorite, like, do you like Wrigley Field better than PNC or something like that? It's very hard to even compare the two because they're are kind of a different species. You know, any, right. once Camden Yards came in and then, you know, the every ballpark, you know, started popping up, um, I kind of separate those from the old ones. And the old ones are now what? Wrigley, Fenway, and Dodger Stadium. If you want to lump Dodger Stadium in with those two, I personally don't. But um, yeah, the I just the NL Central has some very nice stadiums, headlined by those two. We are we are in a lucky we are in a lucky division. We kind of are. We have nice homes. <laughs> hey Brent, I, I have. I have two Cubs questions for you. Yeah, I, sure. I, oh, sure. For, yeah, the thing for the thing for the Pirates in this upcoming week is, you know, you've got three at home against the Cubs, three on the road against the Cardinals. That's going to kind of show whether they're really a 15 and 10 team or not. The two questions about the Cubs, 
is number one, how much longer does Jason Hamill remain the team ERA leader? Oof. And number Oof. two, maybe not by the end of the week, but by the end of the season, who's going to have more home runs? Arietta or Hayward? Oof. <laughs> Oof. Ouch. I like that question so much. <laughs> Ouch. Um, I, you know, ha, ha, ha. I'll still take Hayward, though. Um, and I, I think the, I, I think the, I think the David Ross, I, I think David Ross is, is an open question. Maybe. I'm not sure. He's been, yeah. David Ross has been a weirdly good lately. And if this is, if this is, I mean, this is the end for David Ross. He's retiring, but this is, this is a hell of a way to go out. If, uh, <laughs> if he keeps this up for even, I don't know another couple weeks or something, then they'll always say, oh, man, David Ross had those great couple weeks. Uh, but Jason Hayward also had that terrible month. Um, and then for Hamill, uh, I, I don't know, Monday? Like, <laughs> like I, you know, he's got, he's got the Nationals uh, over the weekend. And, uh, you know, he's, he, gave up a couple, he gave up a couple of runs tonight. So, you know, depending on, depending on how deep he goes into this one, uh, he could... You know, he he could, he'll he'll find himself over over one, uh, now, but uh, Arietta Arietta is still at one one even, I think, right? One yes. point one point oh yeah. oh. So yeah. Uh, so That's it, good. so actually, it could be it could be you know by midnight tonight, uh, <laughs> Arietta could be back leading the team in ERA. Right. Yeah. Did you see? Do you guys read the prospectus hit list on the BP site? Matt Sussman's a really funny guy. Sussman is a very for, funny guy. Yeah. I love Sussman. His comments for the Cubs, who are number one on his list, he wrote, should Jake Arrieta have more home runs than Jason Hayward? Should Jake Arrieta and Tommy LaStella have more home runs than Jason Hayward? What about Jake Arrieta, Tommy LaStella, and this glazed ham? <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't it actually, I think it came out today that Hayward has a sore wrist, and maybe it's been um, sore for a while. Did anyone else read that? Yeah, I did. Re I did read that. Um, going back to the Cardinals series, right? Is that yeah. when, is that when it happened? So, yeah, that's. And I mean, you know, dude's dude's a gamer, I'm sure. So, you know, of course he's he's not gonna he's not gonna make a big deal out of it. But at the same time, like Madden's the Madden's the type of manager who who will get guys days off and. I wouldn't be surprised if Hayward gets a couple of those this week to kind of get get himself back into a rhythm. I mean, Hayward, Hayward's still been able to draw a lot of walks, and he still plays great defense, and he's still great on the base pads. Oh, so, like well, these are—I mean, those are things that don't really, uh, you know, that don't that don't have the fluctuations that hitting might. But yeah, it's a but the power's way down. I think he only has one extra base hit so far. So the thing so. about um, the thing about Hayward. And it kind of goes back to what Rob said earlier about, you know, you don't want to draw too much attention to single game stats because they play 162 of these things. Um, I, I feel like Hayward's kind of the poster child of that because you will never appreciate him just watching him in a vacuum. You really have to watch him throughout the season to understand how valuable he is to a team. Because, you know, he's not going to be a guy who's going to like one game drive in nine. You know, he's not going to have like some crazy Bryce Harper game where he's going to hit three home runs or something like that. It's just like this steady presence of, of defense, of, of knowing like guys aren't going to 
try and stretch a double to a triple on right. Hayward. And if they do, they're probably going to be thrown out. You know, it's it's something like he just, as the season goes on, you really just slowly appreciate him more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, you know, I I was, I that doesn't surprise me, and that's that's kind of the thing that a lot of the not just Cubs writers, but writers across baseball were saying in the in the preseason, like Jason Hayward will be susceptible to the hot takes, right? Like if you if you were to <laughs> if you were to pull Twitter about giving back the Jason Hayward contract after thirty days, like it would it would probably be closer to fifty fifty that I'm comfortable with, right? But but there's no there's no way in hell I would give it back, right? So it's 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 I, I realize it's a it's it's he's he's like a Hayward is like a slow bird national song, you know, like before you know it, it's it's swelled up to this huge thing and it's it's the best thing in the world. But listening listening to the first five seconds, maybe you might want to skip it, but you it, it would be a bad idea to do so. All right. Well, I, I'm still going to boo him. I don't <laughs> I, I I know you are. I know. Okay, okay. I, but he's he's a he's a wonderful player. All right, all right. Uh, Rob, Rob, anything you're looking forward to this week? Well, the, for for the Pirates, this is going to be like I said. This will be, this will find out whether they really are a 600 uh, ball club playing two two good ball clubs, although one of them hasn't had the record to show it so far. All right, all right. Very good. All right. Um. That's gonna, that that'll do it for us. We'll wrap it up here. Uh, Alex, where can people find your work? What do you have coming up, and uh, how do they find you on Twitter's? Um, I, they can find me at Viva Alberto's. Um, I I don't have anything specific. Actually, that's not quite true. I think I might have something tomorrow in a tiny news and notes post. Um, my. Not my the top five the top five moments ever at Wrigley Field um, oh. to my my discretion by the way. So oh oh. My, um, so that might be a fun little. Thing. Oh, so there's a little bias in this list, huh? Oh, there's gonna be a lot of bias. <laughs> <in this list. laughs> uh, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at alexcard79. Ah, uh, fantastic. And uh, I'll throw it over to you, Rob. What? Uh, where can people find you on the internet? What do you got coming up? Well, I've, as you uh, so kindly mentioned, I've had a few things at Baseball Prospectus. I still contribute to Banish to the Pen as well. Um, this thing I do, trailing 30, um, showing which players have been hot and cold over the last 30 days, not necessarily just along a month. That will probably start up uh, next week, although I'm going to be someplace where I'm not sure if I'm going to have internet access, but uh, over the weekend, but if I do, I'll have that. On Twitter, I'm Cran, C-R-A-N, underscore boy, and I write about the Pirates at onthefieldofplay.com. That's fantastic, and uh, I'm Brandon Lee. You can find me on Twitter at Blee Internets, and in the Effectively Wild Facebook group on Facebook, and at Banish to the Ben sometimes and also here on the on an nl central podcast and that's going to do it for episode two and we will talk to you fingers crossed next week
What are you drinking, Rob? Uh, just lemonade. Uh, I, I, I drank wine during one of my uh, fantasy drafts, and I'm going to regret it all season. <laughs> 